quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Go put yourself out and add value. I always listen to people that were doing big things. And then once you start building teams and building businesses, you'll have that conversation. You know how to navigate in front of the right people. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Jonathan Tuttle. Jonathan is joining us from Chicago, Illinois. He is a mobile home investor and fund manager at Midwest Park Capital, which is also focused on mobile home parks. Personally owns two mobile home parks totaling 95 units. Jonathan, can you start us off a little more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, background, been in this space since 2007. So like the early days back when nobody really knew what it was and people kind of laugh when you mention mobile home parks. <laughs> so I'm seeing right. the transition to now it's obviously with Fannie Freddie financing available and the internet kind of changed everything. So people are aware of its benefits. I've been in since then and I was mobile home broker for the last 10 years. I used to be president of the Midwest for Yale Realty, which is one of the preeminent mobile home brokerages in the United States. And just basically been on all sides of the business for a long time. I got to stop you there because I'm the newest of the best ever podcast hosts. I've been in real estate investing since 2013. And this is the first time I've ever heard of a mobile home broker. It's so niche, especially 10 years ago when you started brokering deals just coming out of the Great Recession. Talk to us about that, Jonathan. Mobile home brokering, not only have I never heard of it, but all of the stories I hear about mobile home parks are about finding the mom and pop owner off market. How big is the space for brokered mobile home park deals? Well, like you said, it's supply and demand working to your favor. So yeah. there's always a handful of brokers and friends of all the top guys. So that's a good thing. Like if you're a residential broker in a normal city or normal state, there's 20,000 people doing it. Right. But home park side, there's only a handful of people and everyone kind of has their niche or their region. The only other downside for the park side though, is there's only 43,000 change parks during only supply. So there's not a ton of supply, but there's enough deals out there for people to do pretty, actually really, really well. And especially the last five years has exploded because with the Fannie Friday financing coming in and all the institutional buyers coming in, cap rates compressed, the deals and the size of deals these guys are getting, it's almost like I wish I was still broking some of them because it's like insane <laughs> some of the commissions they're making. When did you decide to get out of brokering? 2017. So I'm going to focus on the acquisition side. So you transitioned from brokering deals to your own personal acquisitions in 17? Yeah. So more acquisitions. I like the tax benefits. I like the safety, security. One downside I didn't mention, like 43,000 parks. A lot of these guys are going to have a five-year run and it's going to dwindle down the inventory. A lot of these new owners taking over, these parks aren't going to trade hands for 10 to 15 years. So the deal flow right now is good, but it's going to be dwindling, dwindling. So I just kind of you know saw that coming that I want to actually build net worth, get the tax benefits and actually have the cash flow coming in. Jonathan, give us some more of the numbers around that. You're particularly well positioned to give insights on the mobile home market as a whole given your professional experience. You just said that you think inventory is solid right now, but you think inventory when it comes to properties for sale is going to dry up here soon because the vast majority of deals that are going to be sold have been purchased. And there's going to be 
a hold period while people execute on their business plans. Can you flesh that out a little bit for us? Yeah. So basically people are new to the niche. So we have such a unique model with a lot of the cities and most of the parks are grandfathered in. So they have these old laws from back in the day were actually voting laws and they're basically kind of gray areas where you can keep the park. So a lot of the new developments, maybe 10 to 15 units a year. And then you're basically developing a subdivision. Plus you have like this, a six month back order on new manufactured housing. So most people want to buy some of this cash flow from day one. It has this 30, 40 year history. And just the fact that there's just such slow inventory, it's basically means all these new Wall Street guys like Blackstone, Apollo, all these guys came to space last three or four years and they're buying billions of dollars worth of parks. Obviously they go for like 15 million above or portfolios, but the mom and pops have seen because of all these new entrants coming into space, a normal park that was 2 million a couple of years ago is now like four and a half. <laughs> so like, right. well, why keep it? Let's cash out. So these deals, that's what I'm saying. People are getting these offers that they can't refuse. The supply and demand economics working towards the owner's behalf, but also on the broker side, it's they know the inventory. So a lot of the brokers now are actually buying deals too, just because they know 10 years from now, it's the bigger deals one off here and there, but it's not going to be like what it is right now, basically. You know, everything has cycles. We're in the peak cycle of sales right now. Correct me where I'm wrong. I'd like to summarize what you just said, Jonathan, make sure that I understand and the best ever listeners gain understanding. Because of the way that major hedge funds and Wall Street players have entered the mobile home park space in the last couple of three years, kind of sucking all of the air out of the room and compressing cap rates, so much of the mobile home park inventory has transacted in the last few years. When you combine that with how difficult it is to add mobile home park inventory to develop new mobile home parks now based on legislation, local governance, tax issues, et cetera. We've hit a point where so much inventory has transacted recently by organizations with defined hold periods of 10 plus years that it's just going to be a while before we see this stuff hit the market again. So let's say this wave of transacting ends to your point sometime soon all of the available parks or the majority of the available mom and pop parks, the ones that they thought were worth two and they're getting offers of four and a half, those all sell. What happens next to the mobile home park space? Yeah, that's what's happening right now. A lot of my friends are doing half billion, billion plus in sales in a single year because yeah. people have portfolios. They're just huge sales happening right now. And then, like I said, the mom and pops are selling we get offers all the time for people giving us ridiculous offers. It's almost tempting to sell them, but <laughs> basically what's going to happen is people in the MHP space are adding other asset classes, self-storage, maybe it's just living, parking lots, apartment buildings. So where we're seeing the people that already own the parks, if they're doing a raise or if they have investors or they have extra, like they're doing a cash out refi, they're like, well, since the inventory and I'm going to get a bid down, maybe I should just get the self-storage instead. And so that's what we're kind of seeing our RV park. I forgot to mention. So there's alternative assets that are right behind mobile home parks. The uniqueness allow these people like, Hey, there's not that many parks. There's 20 people bidding that park. Let's go and just put a bid on this RV park with maybe three or five bids on it. I don't know exactly how many bids they're getting, but it's not as competitive. So we're seeing people transition to exploring other asset classes that are comparable and alternatives. Absolutely. That's a big part of the narrative right now. With as much money as is flooding into commercial real estate investing, people who have been in the space for a while, they're looking to diversify the asset classes that they will consider in order to hit the returns that they are accustomed to hitting in 
apartments or self-storage or to your point, mobile home parks, apartment people moving to self-storage and mobile home parks, self-storage and mobile home parks, moving to RV parks and other similar niche asset classes. You also said, Jonathan, that you are receiving some of those quote unquote absurd offers for your properties that seem too high, but you haven't taken them. What that tells me, and please correct me where I'm wrong. If you tell me I'm wrong, that means I'm learning something too. What I'm hearing you say under the underlying that is that you believe the value of your parks is going to go up. And that while you may be receiving absurd offers now, the offers you'll be receiving one, two, five years from now would be even higher. Is that what you're projecting? Well, it depends on the financing because we know the Fed sure. and the Treasury is going to change a lot. Fannie Freddie kind of changed the game with the available finance. That's what compressed these offers. And that's why I got these compressed these cap rates and got these high offers. Fannie Freddie didn't come out until about 2016, 15, 16-ish. And before it used to be just like how soft storage is, you had to go to the bank traditional financing, maybe seller finance. So when you got these like non-recourse 10 years amortized over 30, people could really pay off the property. What we like is just because it's, it's irreplaceable just because of the supply and demand. It's just something that's turnkey, you know, more with the inflation going, they say 8%, but most economics people say 12 to 15%. So we know, and then we also know that they're baby boomers. There's 10,000 retiring every day for the next 10 years. So all these like different trends only benefit us. So we just know it's a turnkey property that to find another replacement, there's a couple other asset classes are very comparable, but for housing sector, we like the fact that there's always a huge demand and we have the inventory. So maybe not necessarily the price will go up. We just know it's a turnkey property. There's always a big demand. We can always X out whenever you want, but we also know that anytime a tenant leaves, there's five people ready to go. Gotcha. So, so you're projecting rent growth then and increasing appreciating values for mobile home parks moving forward yeah it just depends on the, on the financing because even if you like right now if the financing goes up another point it's got up to about 5.6 it's just we, we're getting quoting right now <laughs> with Fannie, yeah. if it goes up to like who knows what they said six more increases well the cap rate should but so like even the our, our, our lenders like it's an anomaly because the cap rates haven't changed in the park side and then you want that spread between the cap rate one and a half two points to get a nice cash and cash and teens, but the parks, the people are coming in, the Wall Street guys are coming in. They don't even care. They're looking at to hold the property and just to place capital. They're placing large money. Like we lost a bid on a, like a $21 million property. We got bid out by the, the second biggest park owner and they're not gonna make money on it for like four years, but then they're just land grabbing, putting it into their portfolio and then they'll exit out and it's part of their big sale and they sell it for a couple of five billion, whatever it is. So that's what's happening now. So like, it's not even for like the cash flow. It's the tax benefits. It's kind of like owning a piece of real estate that even if some of these people are coming in, they're overpaying just to get it. So it's getting to that point now. And people come in the space. I've heard the old stories. Oh, parks are always high cap rates and all this. And now it's like, well, it's completely changed the last couple of years where it's now it's one of the most competitive real estates. And now people are just really buying it just to buy it <laughs> because they know long-term the demand's there. And then depending on the cap rates and the cap rates compared to the, the financing, but it's more just acquiring the park just because it's, there's always a certain amount of parks that get torn down every year. So it's a dwindling supply. And that's the real key driver right there. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but 
you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Jonathan, for the best of our listeners who listen every day to every episode that airs, about maybe every two or three weeks, they hear a mobile home parks episode. Mm -hmm. So we're hearing similar narratives from different people with different perspectives on the space. And one of the things that we've heard recently, and by recently, I mean the last few people who have been on to discuss mobile home parks, is that what they consider to be overpayment right now for mobile home parks is that they will, because of the prices being paid and because of what's happening to the cost of debt right now, Mm -hmm. to your point, they're going to be operating in the red or they're new to the space and they're scaling faster than they understand the demands of the property, how hands-on the management is based on the tenant base. Even if you don't own the mobile homes themselves, you just own the pads. It's a more hands-on management asset than people expect, but also a lot of people are underestimating capital expenses. You're nodding your head for those who are just listening to the podcast who aren't watching on YouTube. Are you in complete agreement with everything I'm saying? What's your take on this? That sentiment's 100% correct. So the story is it's been sold, yes, five years ago. It was just this turnkey property. That was kind of the story. Like people just come to you and it's always like an eight or 10 cap and just buy a park and sit back and that's it. But now all the people coming in now, like I said, come back all this podcast, people hearing about it. So I know a lot of the other operators and people are coming in, they're buying cap parks at like a three cap. <laughs> so they're not going to be making money. Even if they have some creative financing, it's usually like people that just have endless checks and they're literally just trying to buy the property because they're foreseeing what's going to happen with the economy and then the housing, the average house now is 375. People are getting priced out of the market. So it's kind of like just basically doing a land grab and like it's more just buying the asset to buy the asset and then regards to maintenance and yeah a lot of these parts are 30 40 50 years old so the infrastructure if you're not familiar with the asset class the most important thing i saw something on tiktok like i'm a like out and just like in the stories like oh you don't be afraid to put offers on mobile home parks without seeing them 
this is the kind of advice that you see online. Like, obviously, your listeners are be more sophisticated, but like these worst advice you'll ever get because most things you don't see are underneath the park or the plumbing, the, the sewage, the systems underneath uh, the land that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars to repair. And you're buying, it, say it's a small park, that could, you won't be making money for years if you have to replace that whole infrastructure. And that you definitely want to do extensive due diligence. A lot of these parks have deferred maintenance. If it's a wildcat mom and pop park, yeah, then you could be more turnkey. But a lot of times, 80% mom and pop industry, which is why the private equity come in, because they can add sophisticated systems, online payments, stuff that you don't even, websites, we're so far behind any other asset class. And then like, okay, this is where we can add stuff into it. But then at the same time, these homes could be 40 years old. So how much do you have to fix and flip the homes? Then you have to understand the local legalities behind it. It's a different challenge than apartments. Apartment people are used to, there's certain things. We have way different challenges just because it just has a lot of variables. And when you take over a park, you could have so many homes you have to fix. And if you don't have like a team that can fix it, that could be a lot of labor. And just the fact right now, the people coming in have a lot, a lot of money. It's a lot of like ultra high net worth. I get family office calls once a week. I get some of the wealthiest people I've had conversations with. It's pretty amazing, but because like, they want to pick my brain and that's the money that's coming into it now. And that's what your people, if you're just a small operator, that's who you're competing with. Jonathan, you said a few things in rapid succession that I want to touch on. Yep. People who are operating in the red, who don't understand this asset class getting into it, but also big money moving into the space and the possibility, like you said, you called it a land grab and you said, these people are going to be operating at a loss for something like four years. You also said that these people have a business plan that allows for losing money for around four years. And a part of this is the tax advantages of owning the real estate and that the kinds of people who are coming in, moving into the mobile home park space now are highly incentivized by the tax incentives of just owning the space, which could, for their finances globally, put their ownership of the property in the black. It could be operating at a negative, but it would have a net positive impact based on the tax advantages of the various strategies available to them because they own the real estate. These people are overpaying from the perspective of operators like you, and I'm not in mobile home parks, but I'm an owner operator of apartments and they're doing what would seem like overpaying to me as well. But it sounds like they have a business plan that allows for what they are paying for the space. They can take this, what we would consider a loss short term and not fail. So are you expecting, it sounds like the answer is going to be no. And I've been surprised by how many people have said no. But Jonathan, are you expecting that there's going to be some sort of recession in mobile home parks where the people who have overpaid, who didn't know what they were getting themselves into are selling at a discount just to get out of the space? Do you predict that happening? No. That's not good yeah. And here's the thing too, I, to break it down even farther, because I'm talking about deals over like 15 million, but the average yes. deal now has been like 15 million, but anything under 15 million is still mom and pop that's a small operator. And those aren't going to be bidded down as much. And you'll still get a cap rate around five, five and a half, maybe six in certain markets, a tissue market. And then also like the cost segregation, obviously at the end of this year, it's going to go down. This last year, you get hundred percent next, next year. We have the most advantageous tax advantages of all real estate. That's what people 
So you have the engineer comes in, we get a 15 year depreciation schedule on about 70% of an asset. Oh, wow. land Most people are like, Oh no, it's land improvements. A little known fact you can depreciate that. And so, so like people that have high income and business with a high income, they use this like to like basically mitigate their other income sources. As long as you're a real estate professional by tax IRS tax code. And then for to answer your question in regards to these things are so resilient. Like even during the last recession, this is what really got a lot of people more into the space. We had a 94% collection rate when everyone else, like certain industries were getting down like 70, 65, 70. So when everyone didn't have to pay, they were still getting 94% collection during one of the worst times we've had in the last decade. And then the last recession, 2008, we did really, really well as well. We were the second best performer besides like tech stocks, Wall Street Journal had an article on it. So it's basically what you could do to comprehend that. We're still, here's the key factor that people want to take away from this. Besides the tax advantages, we're so far below rents compared to the average house now is 375. And if the average mobile home lot rents 400 bucks and the average person has to put 20% down or 10% down, maybe so they get special financing, but their payments 2000 a month and their mobile homes $400 a month. We have a lot of leg room and the average national apartment rent was like 1400 for two bedroom right now, 1500, maybe 14 right around there. So we could still raise the rents up and you're seeing this, what some of these people are doing. And then you see the people complaining, they're raising the rents from four to six, six fifty, maybe 700. And that's what allow them to make the note and still be profitable eventually. Jonathan, even with everything going on in mobile home parks right now and major players moving in, are you saying that the mobile home park asset class is still undervalued? Yeah, I think there, there, it's certain niche markets. So if you're doing anything over 15, you have to be really well liquid, like a lot of cash, be very seasoned, have a team. It's like, then here's the thing. If you're buying $20 million apartments, like, oh, I want to go buy a $20 million mobile home park. Well, the team that you're competing with, they already have an underwriter. They're already going to know basically what the thing is going to trade for within like a couple of hundred thousand, maybe. <laughs> and they're putting offers like take it or leave it. And we're going on to the next deal. And they're putting down crazy offers. The ones underneath 15. Yes. I think that's where the opportunity for average, or if you're a smaller operator or syndicator, I think that's the opportunity. They're undervalued because the supply and demand economics, we know we're going huge inflation. We have all the trends work to our advantage, the baby boomers, the silver tsunami, where we know besides the 10,000 baby boomers retiring a day, the silver tsunami, which they're predicting in the next 10 years, a lot of baby boomers will be selling off their assets and moving into more apartments and mobile home parks. We're already 50% our clientele is senior citizens. So our average tenancy is 14 years. So we have all these trends. We have also the trend of people moving out of major cities, which happened with the COVID and more people want to have more freedom. So all these major trends and major indicators all benefit mobile home parks. And that's why it's so unique and so valuable. That's awesome. Jonathan, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah. Great. What is the best ever book you recently read? I like the founders. It's PayPal Mafia. Obviously Elon's doing a lot of big things, but it has all the founders. I like books because I used to read like a hundred plus. I use the Scribe app where you could have audio plays out and be on their treadmill. If you listen an hour a day, you'll get 50 bucks a year just by <laughs> on the treadmill. Totally. But that book, I've been liking books where it shows more about the grit, determination, the challenges they went through. Business books are kind of like things change, markets change. Yes, you can learn systems and process, but they learn the challenges, like the stuff that you as an entrepreneur and a business person going, you want to see other entrepreneurs, they went through different struggles and how they overcame it. So the founders, the PayPal Mafia, it's a long book too. It's like 18 hours audio. <laughs> it's good. Wow. Yeah. What is your best ever way to give back? I've been on numerous 
board of directors for different events in Chicago. I also throw a homeless dog event, which is like the biggest homeless dog event. So we raise money for homeless dogs. Taking that to Miami this year. It's been Chicago. I'm moving to Miami then this year. But I also do nice. a bunch of other different charity boards. I said 100% nonprofits. You know, it's a lot of people just post on Facebook, like donate this charity. I actually do my time on the weekends and I don't post it on social, but I actually do the work. So yeah, I always like absolutely. to come back to you. What is the biggest mistake that you've made thus far in mobile home park investing and the best ever lesson that you've learned as a result? Not getting enough of them when they were cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do we make this an applicable lesson to our best ever listeners? When you see trends and marketplace and believe in yourself, this time when I started my fund, I had to do a lot of research. There wasn't a lot of information out there on how to do a syndication. It's just that process took me like a couple of years to like get really comfortable and get the legal and the PPM and all that stuff. And I wish I was a little faster. And so I guess think speed of market, finding partners who are willing to execute. And it's crazy when you're raising capital, it's like when you don't need money, everyone hands it to you. When you need money, it's like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about it. And then now it's like, <laughs> I'll get people every week. They're like, oh, let's get a park. I want to get a park. I'm like, when I was doing all this advertising, Everyone's like, oh, yeah, they sound kind of unique. And now it's like, now when you don't want it, then they just come to you. <laughs> so just being, take action, be first to market and believe in yourself. If you, and if you can just have the right team, the pieces, just go for it. And just don't let anybody else tell you not to. You recognize the trend in the marketplace, take action and believe in yeah. yourself. That being said, what is your best ever advice? My best ever advice kind of correlates to that. <laughs> what I just right? said. One thing I would say is, Definitely nonstop learning. Like listen to podcasts like this. I've always been listening to podcasts. It's like 2014, a couple hours a day, books, mentors, conferences, online courses, all that stuff. Just keep feeling your brain. Get in front of people that are way, way ahead. Go put yourself out, add value. I always listen to people that were doing big things. And then once you start building teams and building businesses, you'll have that conversation. You know how to navigate being in front of the right people. So just really putting yourself out there. And really continuing to learn and not expect anything to happen. Everything that's worthwhile takes a long time. So just keep reinvesting yourself. Jonathan, where can people get in touch with you? Speaking of the funds, Midwest Park Capital. I also have an info course, which is teaches people how to flip mobile homes and how to get their first mobile home park. It's called Mobile Home Wealth Academy, just how it sounds. And then just Jonathan Tuttle on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. And those links are available in the show notes. And I also have a podcast coming out called the Credit Investor Podcast, where I'm going to have different people on from different aspects of industries. But I have to mention that. So Credit Investor Podcast as well. Awesome. Jonathan, thank you. Best ever listeners. Thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who you know is interested in mobile home park investing. Thank you and have a best ever day.